You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. Welcome, welcome everyone back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Dante Belmonte. Today we have uh, to me, what I think is the godfather of real estate investing. <laughs> We've got Rick Jarman on the show. Rick, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, I'm Rick Jarman from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I don't know about being the godfather, but I'm about to start, I'm about the oldest person on Instagram. I do believe that. <laughs> and that's where we met. Yes, sir. So, Rick, tell me a little bit about yourself and a little about your real estate investing background. Okay. Well, I'm I'm different a lot of the guys I see on here and gals, you know, I, I started out my summer between my 11th and 12th grade of high school doing construction work, building houses. And I discovered my love and it's all I've ever did since then. Uh, I was a new home builder for 31 years and remodeler and everything also and acquiring, you know, uh, rental property along the way. Right. I, I turned 60 in uh, 2015 and I got up one morning. I said, that's it. I'm through building. And I'm just, you know, we flipping some houses still just, you know, to stay busy. It's hard to pull back when you work, you know, all your life. And right. I, I of course. Up working and, uh, you know, I, I love it. I love this industry as much as the first time I did a deal, you know, so oh, yeah. that excitement full time for myself since 1984. Okay. Awesome. Like I said, I started that summer between my 11th and 12th grade of high school. I got married young. I was 18 when I got married, just, just graduated high school, about less than a month when I got married and I was working at a cabinet shop, went from there and got on as a, union labor, you know, on a labor, just a regular board toting labor on a union job and got into carpenter apprentice and went on from there to come a carpenter and started building houses, remodeling and flipping. And it's all I've ever done. Okay. So when you were younger, right out of high school, things like that, you were, you already had that contracting background because that's what you started. And so that's kind of what right. segmented into, so how'd you get into the rental standpoint of things though? Okay. Well, like I said, I got married at 18 and my wife, she doesn't like me to tell this, but she's not quite two years older than I am. So <laughs> I, I was in her brother's band my senior year in high school. I played music six nights a week at Vermont Inn. So I didn't learn much, but I had a good time. <laughs> but anyway, we got married and uh, she kind of laid out of school a while till we got on her feet and uh, she went back to school. So while we were putting her through school, I was keeping up rental property for other people because by 19, uh, I graduated high school in 73. By 1974, I'd got on at the University of Alabama in maintenance, housing maintenance. So okay, I better train and just working in the dorms and the rental properties, you know? Right. So I would do work for people on the side. And I had this one gentleman I did work for on probably 35, 40 houses. And I just got to realize, I said, you know, it's, it's the way to go. I said, he doesn't have any headaches. I'm the one with headaches. Right. You're doing all the work. He's getting all the money. <laughs> you know, looking at it through, a, you know, uh, 19, 20 year old's eyes, you know, but uh, that kind of piqued my interest and uh, just all kind of went hand in hand, you know? Right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So what I like about you is 
you're you're cool. You you know you're what sixty five and you're on Instagram and sixty four. I'll be sixty five in May. Let's don't rush it. You're right. Let's not rush <laughs> it. Right. <laughs> I get so, to sign up, man. At sixty five. Yeah, I mean it's awesome. You're you're really active on social media. You're on Instagram. You have a few thousand followers. You constantly post videos, and you have really good content. That's why I wanted you on Thank here because so that's what I really like about you. And the thing that I find unique about you is a lot of people in this industry now, a lot of people we have on this podcast haven't been in the real estate industry for too long. Um, some not more than ten years. With that being said, they haven't really experienced what a recession looked like um, in the area. Right. For yourself, talk to me a little bit about that because I don't really get to ask people about that. Talk to me sure, about how many sure. recessions and, and which one had the biggest impact on the economy and how it laid out. Well, for me, well, like I said, right when I come out of high school in 1973, I experienced my first recession. They had the gas embargo that went along with it. We literally had to line up at the gas pumps hoping you'd get enough gas to get to work that week, you know. Mm. So I went since I've been on Instagram, you know, I've only been on here as I think it'll be a year in February, March. And I didn't know anything about Instagram before that. I just <laughs> thought it was Facebook for young people, you know, right. But anyway, I got on here. And so that, that question has come up a lot. So I thought, well, okay, I just went online and I looked at how many recessions I had been through and how many, especially since, you know, I went full time in this business in 84, but I got caught up in the late nineties and had a really hard time, like a President Trump, a lot of other people in the business. Mm -hmm. I caught up that same time, six, you know, 97, 98. So I learned a lot of lessons that when 2008 recession came, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really hurt by it. I had my okay. rental, you know, and we run over a hundred rental houses. Wow. So I was able to get through that one unscathed. You know, a lot of, a lot of builders here in my town were put out of business. I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And uh, I'd learned a lot of lessons in 98. So I was kind of knew what to do. We pulled back. Now we didn't, you know, we was in damage control like everybody. We didn't, you know, we didn't make you know a lot of money as much as just held our own. But right. thank goodness I had the rentals. So that would have been the worst recession uh, for you listeners. You know, if they want to go and follow me on Instagram, I talk about several the recession and several of my videos. And, okay. Yeah, 2008 was totally different. And it was, I think, either the longest or the second longest since 1973. You know, it had a couple others, but none of them affected me like that one because I was a builder. If you were a builder or real estate agent, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it hurt a little bit. Definitely. Okay, so what was going on in 2008? What was happening with the banks? What was happening with lenders, builders, you know, these complexes? Tell me a little bit more. Okay, I try to tell a lot of the folks that getting started that not to get over leveraged and, and, and they're not experiencing. We've had nothing but good times. It's just been climbing since 2008. But prior to 2008, I tell folks, you know, the tail was wagging the dog. I mean, I, I, was, I had my own crews. I had 16 men. We did our own framing, trimming, painting, vinyl siding. But the reason we were having to do that is because there was so much work you couldn't get anybody. Kind of like it's getting now, you know. Mm -hmm. Then you go to bed one night and you get up the next day and it's hit. That's, that's about how fast it happens. Wow. But uh, I, I, I wasn't stuck with a bunch of houses, thank goodness. I had closed on a million four worth of lots right before the recession, but I worked through them with the banks, you know. 
-hmm. And like I said, I had the rental property. But the thing about it, even if you had some rental property that was paid for, mm -hmm. the banks, they wouldn't go and let you refinance and cash out. The banks were trying to control their money. They, they were needing money. They were right. They weren't lending were, out. Yeah. They were ready about to get taken over by the feds, you know, cause banks, you know, every dollar they loan, they had to have so many dollars in reserves. Of course. So they had a bunch of money loaded out, loan out on real estate and the value goes down of that real estate. That means they had to have more money in reserves. So how did they get it? They didn't go out to people who wasn't paying because they couldn't get it. They mm -hmm. went out to folks that were paying, trying to wow. squeeze you to pay more money down and stuff. You know, it got, it was, I tell folks for about three years, it was like dealing with the Wild West. You know, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, I also had a bond issue at that time on my rental property, and I had to go and deal with that. And, of course, I'm under a gag order on that, so I'd tell you something right there, you know. That, <laughs> Anytime the bank says, okay, you sign here and you can't tell nobody what happened. You know, they were trying to mess with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's but not you good. Ever move the big short. Yes. I, well, I had did a swap. I had like a $10 million line set up of a bond issue and I had tied up about 4,200 something thousand at that time. Wow. And uh, I did the swap, so I got a fixed rate. And all of a sudden, they tell me it's not a fixed rate, and I paid the money for it. So that, you know, that's kind of a deep subject for a lot of people getting started. But I've, I've been in a lot of different things over the years with it, you know, experienced a lot of things. I'm yeah. a real estate broker. I got licensed in 80, 1983, so part-time a year while I was working on the side and Went full-time, like I said, in 84, built, started building, built my first house in 84. Nice. Got my broker's license in 86. And over the years, I've been fourth owner of a Coel Banker franchise and <laughs> had, you know, used to manage other people's property. Did a little of all of it. But for the last 20 years, I've just had like, one time I had three agents. But I got one agent that's been with me about 15 years that she handles all my you know, when I was building new houses and of course now my flips okay. and I have a son that works with me. He's been with me 20 years. He's 38, come out of high school in 2000. So he's a licensed home builder, just like I am. And he and I own 26 houses together. And so he's been raised in the business. And so we work side by side. Nice. That, so, I mean, you've really done every aspect of this entire business. So you know it front to back, side to side, upside down. You've, you've seen it all, I would imagine. Yeah, folks, if you want to ask me, you can ask me anything but wholesaling. I've never did any wholesaling. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, because people that usually wholesale don't, don't really have any money to start with. But someone that, you know, has built up reserves, things like that, you can just go for it. Um, now, just real quick back to... 98 versus 2008. I want to say you said it was 98. Okay. What did you learn in 98 or in that recession right before 2000 that you were able to apply in 2008 that lets you basically hold on? You know, I started, like I said, I went full time in 1984. Well, I just turned 29. I, mean, I wasn't 29 a month and I went in business for myself. Well, by the time I was 34, 35, I was worth probably a million and a half dollars, which that's a lot of money in them days. Yeah. Well, you get, you, you get to think you've got the golden touch, you know, nothing can go wrong. You think, you know, and it's right. It can't happen you know, to me. Yeah. Just like this market where now I keep trying to, you know, I don't, I'm not a gloom and doom type, but when you've seen it, 
you know, I, and this may sound bad, but I tell folks a blind man can do it right now. I mean, it's just that easy. You put a house up, flip or sell whatever, and the supply is so short that it'll sell quick. Yeah, there's anyway, low inventory. Yeah, so back to the story. So by the time 1998 hit, I had gotten away from being diversified. I'd got just speculative building and just, you know, kind of, I still had my rental property, but at that time I'd kind of gotten away from growing it, you know, and just, just strictly counting on new speculative homes. And I was probably sitting on 22, 25 houses and all of a sudden it just stopped. Couldn't get, mm. people couldn't borrow money. And, uh, it got rough. I mean, I had to sell off all my rental property, uh, start over. I was 43 years old. I had to start over. I couldn't get a $19 pager in my name. I had a daughter starting college, you know, but if I hadn't had the rentals to sell off, I couldn't be in business today. But you know, I tell folks, you're a lot smarter the second time around. Oh yeah. You, you learn. Most definitely. I mean, and see, we come out of that recession in 2008. Like I said, we, we were kind of, you know, we, we come out of it good. We wasn't hurt really bad. I mean, no more than we wasn't making a lot of money like we wanted to, but we were right. holding on fine. So, you know, I had to deal with the banks for about two and a half years with lots I'd bought, you know, which I come out of that fine. Cause anyway, you know, you just, you got to deal with, so I missed a few deals, but I had a private money lender that would lend money. Okay. At that time. And so I tell folks my net worth went up $2 million right after the recession for the things that I bought that maybe didn't fit my criteria of stuff I wanted to keep, but I could rent it for a while and then sell it when the market turned and I was able to make some good money there. But, uh, <clears throat> we just, you know, we just kept that path, just stayed with our nose to the grind and, uh, and just pulled back and tightened up the, ship as they say you know and right and everything went good but see then in 2011 here in tuscaloosa where i live we got hit by a real bad tornado mm. I, I lost 26 houses total wow damage to like another 70 something so that's another lick you know of course i was insured and all right but we dealt with that for about three years the insurance company <sighs> i had like a two million dollar claim so I don't invest nowhere but here in my town, you know, so I took a little okay. while to get things back up. So we got our, you know, property back up to close to 125 houses. You know? Wow. So that's what your portfolio looks like today. You have about 125 properties? All single family. I have a couple of them that are commercial, but there's mm -hmm. still single family homes that are commercial. I buy and flip commercial land also. And uh, I flipped some houses because we still got an office, you know, and everything. Right. So I have my, I have a full-time maintenance man. I have office manager and then my son and I. So I always tell him if the company doesn't make enough money, it has to come out of my rentals and I don't like that. So, no, yeah. <laughs> so okay. we've got to make it be, you know, so that's why we keep flipping and all. But I tell folks, if you never, I see so many people, they start out, they're going to flip a few houses and they think they'll become a builder. And I tell a lot of young guys that are realtors all the time now, they get to think about building. I say, flip houses. I mean, you can, building houses is a tough job. It's, it's, uh, and it's, it's a crapshoot. If you don't have enough, you can't make it. If you don't have too many, you can't make it. Right. I just tell them flipping houses to me, like being on vacation, ain't nothing to it, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, typically you have teams working around the clock doing the work. I mean, you're not doing too much. I mean, regardless with any form of uh, contracting out on the property. Yeah. And that also, like, now you're a real estate agent, right? Yes. Okay. So you know how it is if you also have rental property and you're flipping. If you need to go look at something between the showings, you can do it. But when you're building houses, if you've got a concrete truck coming and you've got to be there and get things, it doesn't matter what's going on, you've got to be there. So Right. The yeah, definitely. A lot different. Yeah, ground up. I mean, that's totally a different ball game. I I don't have any experience with new construction as far as renovations, flipping, you know, stuff like that. I do have experience with. Um, going back to what you're talking about when we were talking about the recession, you said don't over leverage yourself. Talk to me a little bit more like about that because today all you hear is everyone's doing cash out refinances, pulling out as much equity to the home as possible, and they're at the highest point of leverage that the bank will physically allow them to be, which is typically eighty percent. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, I'm seeing a lot of people that I think are counting on appreciation. Like you just said, you know, they yep. buy a piece of property. You know, I like the Burr method. I kid them. I said, I was doing that, been doing that since I bought my first house at 21 <laughs> years old and fixed it up and flipped it, you know, moved in and flipped it. Yep. But that's a good method. There's nothing wrong with it. But don't take all the money, you know, keep it positive cash flow. I'm a big, uh, I like 15 year mortgages, not 30, you know, and I know some parts of the country, they can't do that. And I understand that. Right. But if you are working another job and you got some cash flow, man, 15 years of past for, you know, you know, it's a lot of times it's hard for a young person to see that, but yeah, it, it'll flow. Well, like I, I did a little video. No, I think it was a little story on my Instagram. Yep. Like we, we renewed a, a couple of notes today on two little old houses we have like twenty one thousand and maybe twenty on the other and they're like they rent for six seventy five and maybe six fifty. I don't the payments are low. I don't remember what they are right off hand. But anyway, mm -hmm. we renewed for our last five years. We we signed up, you know, it's a five year fixed note with the bank five years I paid for. But if I did them on thirty, it'd be another twenty years to go. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, so I like to make them work on 15. I like, and if you find a deal that helps offset, you know, the difference, but you can yeah. run amortization schedule and look at the difference. And I did that on one of my videos. I talk about it and on Instagram, you know, but I see people, especially a lot of the flippers, they just, you know, cause it is addictive. It's all addictive, you know, buying it is property. I mean, it's like a, I mean, like I said, the hardest thing for me, I was 60 years old before I realized I could stay home all day on a Saturday unless I, without going check a job or go work at the office a little while. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I did all the family stuff, ball games and my kids, whatever they had going on. But if I wasn't doing that, I'd work, you know, it's just, I enjoyed it. I love it. Still love it. I mean, I, Hey, I got to meet a Bobcat in the morning at seven o'clock with one of my flip houses is, <laughs> Gonna start tearing out a bunch of shrubs and I'm gonna show him what I want done, you know. Right, right. So I like okay. to be hands on. You know, we do our own property management. I've been fortunate enough to make my living in this industry, where it was remodeling, building, and flipping or whatever for, like I said, full time for, right. I guess we're going on 37 years. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. So, why single families? Why not possibly some duplexes, some apartments? Well, what, I do. I do have. I, I kind of. I've started since I've been on Instagram. I hear everybody talking about 
multifamily and I see what they're showing. It's just like four or five units in a house or whatever. Right. So I call anything about 10 or less is single family, but I have a couple of duplexes, three uh, duplexes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But I call that single family. But in the past, I have owned like 16-unit apartment complex, 10-unit mm-hmm. apartment complex, a fiveplex. I just kind of, I just, you know, you find your niche, single family works for me. I don't, even even that 16-unit was like a grown-up daycare unit. I don't like having a, you know, I'm saying hey, you said everyone. that's right. You know, single family, you know, and, and I don't do student rentals. I live in a, a student town, you know, university of Alabama's here. Right. So a lot of people get into that and it's real competitive. I like to see class or upper D plus and see what I call it, where you got the working people, they're going to rent, you know, like I said, the turnovers a lot less. I've got tenants been with me 12 years, you know, Oh wow! So you have some long-term tenants in there for yeah. you. Okay. What did um What did your first deal look like when you got started? The very my first house I bought. Well, I actually bought a mobile home and a piece of land while I was still in high school because I was getting married. Mm-hmm. I got married less than a month after I got out. I like to tell folks that we were married six years before we had children. So south <laughs> 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 a shotgun wedding or nothing, you know? Yeah, you know, shotgun wedding. Yep. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that today. Uh, you know, my daughter, she just turned 40. Well, we had her party Saturday, but she turns 40 tomorrow. And I was 24 when she was born. I'd already been married six years. And I back, but a quick story about that. I had a house I'd moved in. I had on the market. I'd fixed up the flip. It was actually the second house I ever bought. And, uh, of course, back then they say you don't need to move when you got a baby, he's fixing to be born. I already had the nurses set up and everything. So we took it off the market or their listing ran out. I, you know, this is before I was in you know, real estate because this is like 1980. So my agent calls me and she says, there's somebody really wants that house. I said, I can't do it. I already got the nurses set up and you know, the baby's going to be born any day. And mm-hmm. She said, well, what would it take for you to sell it? Now this, you got to remember, this is probably a $38,000 house back then. Nice little three bedroom, two bath brick house. <laughs> I said, well, you get me $8,000 more, I'll go. She got it. So we moved, boy. <laughs> wow. Okay. But uh, but my first piece of property, I, I, I bought a land, some land, got $500 down, man financed it. I put a mobile home on it, septic tank and all that stuff. So that would have been 1973. I was 18. But when I turned 21, or I mean, when I was 21, I decided to try to sell that. I sold the mobile home, the land, going to buy my first house. So we found a little old two-bedroom house that uh, we bought. We lived in it while we were fixing it up and sold it. Then we went to the second house I just told you about. Mm-hmm. Well, this is all happening in two-year period. But the third house... We'd moved from like a little 800 square foot house that was built for World War II to a practically new three bedroom, two bath brick house on an acre of land on a two year period, just by buying one, flipping it, reinvesting it. And uh, so when I did that, that would have been uh, 78, 1978. So I'm doing remodeling and working on the side, working at the university in maintenance. By 19, 19- 81 is when I bought my first rental house. So there was a guy that worked there with us at the university. 
he was getting a divorce. The house was worth about $20,000 and he was going to sell it for 10. So <clears throat> I didn't have any really, you know, I got, let's see, the 81, I had two kids or one, one on the way. Mm -hmm. And if this gets me too many details, you let me know. I don't want to just. No, no, you're fine. Keep going. I had to figure out a way to buy this house. So I had a nice Ford pickup truck, boy, you know, top of the line. It was a dandy. <laughs> I love that truck, you know, but I knew I could sell that truck, get my equity because they wasn't going to quit making trucks. So I sold the truck. I went to my credit union and I said, mm -hmm. I found this house. I want to buy as a rental. They told me they'd loan me 100% of it because, you know, of the value. Right. I had to do the fix up out of pocket. So what I did, I sold my truck and then I found an old Plymouth 1969 Plymouth station wagon. <laughs> so now this is 1981. So you know it wasn't much of a vehicle, but the tailgate would fold down like a truck. So I knew I could work out of it. <laughs> it, it had a loan value of $1,200 and I could buy it for 600. So I borrowed 1200. So I had an extra 600 there. The money I had out of my truck when I sold it. And that's what I remodeled the house with. Okay. And I kept that house for years and years. I told them, I refinanced it, I know, at least two times, you know, because <laughs> you just kept pouring money out of it. You, you know, as you know, when you take that money out and you keep it where it's positive cash flow and everything, that money you borrow is tax free. You don't pay taxes on it, you know. That's the beautiful part. I think that's why people are so attracted to the cash out refinance because if you buy a property below market value, put the work into it, and you sell it, you have to pay short term capital gains and you're taxed on it. Or even if you hold it for over a year, use it as a rental and you sell it, you have to pay long-term capital gains. But that cash out refinance, it's, it's so sweet because it is. I mean, and you just, it's all your it. money. That's it. It is. And you know, I tell them I did one the other day. I told them I call it the burr on overdrive. <laughs> uh, I had four houses. It was two houses and two duplexes. They were positive cash flow and 4,000 a month. Nice. Well, I only owed 91,000 on all of them. So I refinanced wow. it. I got a check for $168,000 after mm -hmm. they paid my property taxes, you know, cause this is right yep. about property tax time, October. Right. So I got a check for $168,000 and some change netted after, you know, they took that out mm -hmm. and they're still cash flowing over 2000 a month. So, yeah. And, and you're able to take all that money out cash free, which is just great. Right. And just go reinvest it elsewhere. Yeah. It, it's a great strategy. And I think a lot of people are exercising that. I just, um, I just got an offer accepted on a property this week and that I bought grossly undervalued. I mean, almost 50% of what they're offering on it is what I got it for. And uh, I'll be doing the same thing, just going in there yeah. renovating and then uh, pulling out a, a cash out refinance. So I, the numbers work out, which they should, cause I calculated them pretty well. I'll have any return on that property. I won't have any money invested. So my cash on cash is just going to be right. infinite and uh, hold it for a rental instead of just selling it. That way I don't have to pay the short-term capital gains. It's, it's a very, uh, it's a smart method. And you said you've been doing it even before as coined as the, oh, yeah, the Burr I method. <laughs> I did my first one at 21. There you go. But I, you know, I, I like, I don't, I don't do it on all of them. Of course, you know, I, my goal is, is, you know, they're paid for, you know, and, Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I still buy stuff and, you know, people say, well, why are you, you know, 65 and you're getting a 15 year loan, but I'm buying things still for my kids and grandkids. And, you know, of course, and I love it. I mean, how do you stop? I have a friend of mine 
here in Tuscaloosa that he's, I guess he's 83 years old. I mean, he's all time whipping my butt, buying something ahead of him. I mean, you know, you gotta stay on it to beat him. I mean, he's out there. And I asked him one day, I said, what? And I knew the answer because I had just turned 60, like I said. And of course that would have put him about 78 at the time. I said, how come you still doing it? He says, well, he says, it keeps me young. I enjoy it. And he says, I like the money. And that's, I mean, yeah. that's just it, you know. I mean, what else you going to do? I tell folks all the time, you know, they say, you know, when are you going to retire? I, I never plan to retire. You know, I want to keep it because it, it, it's not really work to me. I mean, I have, I used to joke and tell them I'd seem retired, cut back to 10 hour days. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down to about five or six with an hour lunch break. But I mean, I, as far as like going to the office and whatever, I mean, I can do what I want. I don't have to go in if I don't want to go in, but I love it. And what would you do? You know I mean? You can only take so many trips. Yep. You know, I can watch TV at night if I want to watch TV. I mean, what I, I kid them. I say, I don't hunt. I mean, I say, I don't, people ask me, do you hunt or fish? I tell them I don't fish, but I hunt them George Washington, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's good. I like that. That's, you know, it, I mean, it's just, true. It's this, it is addictive. And I mean, what, how could I go, you know, and I've did a lot of things over the years. I've developed subdivisions. I mean, I've did all phases of it, you know, stopping and just going, meeting guys at the coffee shop and, and the excitement, I got to have the excitement. And, and it's hard to pull back. That's, that's one reason I'm not building new houses too, because it's got to the point now, I ran some numbers like here where I live, <clears throat> excuse me, it's about four weeks ago. Now there's probably, oh, I'm trying to think how many, I think it's 200,000 people in Tuscaloosa County, roughly, maybe a little okay. more. Well, <clears throat> in our MLS, there's only, it's only hit 800 pieces of property on the, on MLS over the wow. last year and a half. I mean, the supply is just so limited. New houses, when I looked four weeks ago, they were 147 new houses listed. Hmm. Of that 147, only, they were 185,000 and below, they were only 14. Hmm. The cheapest one there was 155. And you can't really make money on that size houses. So to be in no. the building business today, I'd have to buy half a million dollars worth of lots. Each construction loans 200 and something thousand to 300. Yep. And I'm not going to make more than I do on a good flip. So why take the risk? Worst thing with a flip, it doesn't sell, you rent it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the beauty of it. And so in this area for me, where I'm at in central New York, Syracuse, New York, taxes are very high. Um, yeah. On on a hundred fifty thousand dollar house, you could see taxes anywhere from twenty eight hundred to fifty five seven thousand dollars. Right. So that's why we don't do a lot of single family rentals down here, unless it's you know it's, you get the house for really cheap, you put next to nothing into it, and your taxes are low. Right. Um, so and you're hundred percent right with you flip it if it doesn't sell, you rent it out, you're good to go. Versus with the commercial or excuse me, not commercial, the construction, um, it's a lot of risk. It is. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. And you can't make it on one at a time. So you, to get in a subdivision, you've got to either buy all the lots like I used to or half of them, or you, you know, two or three guys go and buy a whole subdivision. So you had to take down, usually on a deal like that, you take down half the lots in six months. You know, I mean, now the other half in six months. 
mm-hmm. paying interest on them while you sitting there waiting to build on them. And yeah. then, like we talked about, if that market turns and you can't build houses on them. Yeah, it's it's a big issue, and that's how some people get you know their whole world turned upside down. But, you know, getting back, I kind of got way off the sub. You asked about, like, the guys out there right now that are flipping a lot of houses that are sitting on a lot of inventory flipping. Well, they're mm-hmm. not really sitting on but they got a lot of it going. If you can't feed all those houses, if the market stopped tomorrow, you better scale back. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're 100% right. Because, again, it gets back to that over-leverage standpoint. Because it's very attractive to over-leverage yourself. You're just pulling money out, putting the next one. And, and you know, it, all the numbers look right. They, they're cash flowing properly. But that's because I don't want to say we're at the top of a market because you could have said three years ago we're at the top yeah. of a market. Who would have thought it went this long? You know what I'm saying? Because this literally kept going up. But, you know, even like myself, they were, I probably missed two years right after the recession dealing with lots and mm-hmm. things that I had to deal with with the banks. And I was still able to buy some stuff. But, you know, but the banks wasn't loaned a lot of money. Then you take about 2014, it really started you know, 12, 14, when people started getting mm-hmm. in it. I mean, it was, you know, they're, they're buying up stuff that people had lost. Yeah. And so banks was needing to make, the banks have to loan money in a normal time. I mean, recession, they were in damage control. Yeah. But the banks don't make money sitting on it. They got to sell that money. I tell folks, they don't loan it to sell it to you. You know, you buying that money and uh, it's got to happen. So, yeah. So with your, your flips, your rentals that you get, not new construction going aside from that, how are you finding these deals? How are you finding these properties? Do you have your agent working for you? Are you going off market? How are you Believe going about it or not, that? my agent, I don't know if they ever brought me a deal. After she <laughs> oh, man. Been with you for 15 I, years and never brought you a single deal? Yeah, you know, maybe a couple. I mean, you know, but she's out selling, you know, cause, and I tell people that the most dangerous thing you can, you know, people say, not most dangerous, but people say, should I get my real estate license? Well, if you're getting them just to find deals, it's not worth it. Right. But if you become a real estate agent and you're going to sell, but you can never start thinking as a real estate agent. I mean, as a agent, you got to keep thinking as an investor. Yes. Once your mindset changes, I mean, I find deals all the time, not all, you know, a lot of deals. You ask the question you ask, I get a lot of my list with MLS. Realtors are sitting on them and don't realize it's a deal, you know. Yeah, they, they just don't know because they don't think like an investor. They're thinking sales, see. But I buy, you know, I bought a lot of foreclosures and I buy some from the banks, some that are listed, you know, with other agents. But what I do, even though I'm a broker and have my company, say if you were here in this town and you had a house you told me about, I'd let you make the whole list, the whole commission. I don't want I don't want the money. I want the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so where like you get the money is from the house. I'm buying an $85,000 house from you and it's got a 6% commission. I let you have the whole thing. I want the house. I want to work for you. It's a good split. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but like my real estate agent that sells for me, she's on a 70 30 split. So the company gets 30%, she gets 70 and and she does good. She sells a lot of real estate. Good, good. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, being an agent, we do have access to some tools. So the MLS can be very helpful. And there's tools within the MLS that let us look at Definitely. a lot of things. Like the deal I just, you know, I did this week. I went to expired listings. I looked for something that didn't sell, knowing that they'd most likely take a lower offer if it's still sitting there. I ended up, it was listed at 75 hour for 35. And I got it for 42.5. 
Um, right. That's a, that's a deal if you ask me, because I, I know how much it costs to put into it and how much it's going to be worth exactly. after. I don't know what the fees are or what you have to pay to be a real estate agent down there, but here it's about $1,500 a year, maybe 2000. It's pretty standard. Our, ours run, uh, our yearly dues, you know, for the like state national local association yep. of realtors runs about seven twenty five, And then every quarter, uh, no, let's see. Every 90 days, the MLS, yeah, every quarter, the MLS dues are like $160. So it works out pretty close. Right. And so I think if you do one to two deals, broker yourself, it's it's worth it because, mm-hmm. you know, I did one property I closed on two weeks ago and the commission was $2,000 on it. Boom. There's, exactly. there, there's my fees for the year. And I also have access to all these great tools. Now, I'm not oh, telling everyone like to go out there and you know, me, when I'm looking for a deal and have an MLS and you have all the courthouse records of, you know, how much your mortgage is and everything yep. right there at your hands, you you know, you can look and see. And I tell people all the time, you can look and if they're getting a bunch of mortgage paying off, getting one, but, you know, they're hurting. Or if you see they don't owe much or it's paid for, you got a chance for owner finance. Just so many tools. There is, especially today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at the amount of tools you have today versus 30 years ago. I mean, your mind's got to be blown of how easy it is. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I started out, we got a book, MLS book, really once a month. And when they went to twice a month, man, we thought that was the greatest, best thing since sliced bread. It just said, uh, and we had lockbox keys, you know, yep. electronic lockboxes. You'd have to call, you know, if you was really want to be a good, helpful real estate agent, Somebody called them to show you how you'd run the key to them. Right. I mean, it was a different world. My, my father, he's also a real estate agent. He's been in the business for about 20 years. And it's funny because I, I asked him, you know, how, how have things changed a little bit versus he would tell me, he's like, when you had a listing, you were, you know, you were the bee's knees. You, you had the sign out there. You had your phone number on the sign. People are calling you, asking you to see the inside, asking you questions about it. Now they don't, they don't need the, they, they don't need to talk to you as much. They can go somewhere else. And but they set it up electronically and then right. there's feedback. You don't even talk to them where we say, Hey, what did they think about the house? You're going to be able to get me, you know? Exactly. And I tell people the signs for sale signs in front of the house, they're not there for a marketing piece or to get information. It's just a, a, a marker, you know, to yeah. see which <laughs> house it is. Yeah. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but that's so true. I tell you something else. I, and I keep referring to my Instagram, but I do so many videos, you know, I did one, it was called some old school uh, real estate. Uh, I forgot what I called. Anyways, about when I, I caught the tail end of how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, pre-computers in your office, we didn't have computers, you know. And when I first, like the first rent, second rental house I ever bought was owner finance. Well, I had a little book. I'd go down to the bank and they'd stamp my payment book. <laughs> that's how you did it you know yep. you met your check somewhere but also when i first got in it you didn't have to get title policies you know insurance you know people say you want right. own a title and mortgage title insurance you could get a title opinion and i've got a picture of a couple of them i'm holding up in that video one of them was a house went back to 1900 and something the other one was like 1940 something mm-hmm. they would run the title and then they'd print it out and you knew who had it. Yeah, you could see. Time, so that your name would be on there. 
Yeah, and I was talking to someone about that. I mean, you no, could see. Right. Abstract. Yep. You, you could see back all the way to, you know, who first owned the land, which is very interesting just to see and who, who was broken up to because right. how wealth was divided um, back in, you know, 1800s or even earlier on. Yeah, I just, I, I love having you on this because you, you bring in so much of how it used to be and versus how it is now. And I don't think people are thankful enough of how good we have it right now in this market and the tools. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I tell folks like when, when I was getting started building and selling whatever, you know, you don't have this. Like, how would you and I ever met or talk if it hadn't been for Instagram or social right. media? In, in so far places in the country. Oh, yeah. And, and so you can get on here. I, I got Mark McMahon. I don't know if you follow him. Good friend of mine. He, he's out in California. I got guys like you in New York, but I talk to them for and I find out about their markets. We swap stories. We, me and Mark talk two or three times a week on the phone. I mean, he's he's – Mark's 56, so he's up there too for Instagram, you know. <laughs> so we talk about things, and I've met so many good friends that you didn't have that. In other words, the only people, unless you went to a, you know, a state convention or national convention. Right, is where you network. Your competition, they will go sit and swap information with you, you know. Correct, yeah. They're the enemy, you know. That's your, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's very interesting. Um, for a lot of people on this podcast listening that are looking to get started. I don't want you to, to say this to scare them, but just to share experience. Tell me uh, some tenant horror stories. Let, let's hear uh, something you've had to deal with. Well, okay. The second rental house I bought. The very oh, man. Second. When I, mean, I got baptized, I mean, let me back all the way up to you how my career started. You know, I told you I bought a mobile home. I had yep. to turn 18. Well, you know how you have your graduation practice where you walk and practice all that ahead of time. Well, we, the day we had that, which was the day before I graduated high school, mm -hmm. they were going to deliver my trailer. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. They don't show up. So me and a couple of my buddies were there. One of them, we rode out to the main highway to see if we could see them. Right. So we get out there and there's a mobile home being hit by 18 wheeler. Oh, rode all up and down the highway. I'm thinking, man, if I still got to pay for this thing, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm green as a cucumber, you know. I'm just years old. I'm fixing to be 18 in a few days. Yep. Well, the guy says, "Don't worry, we're gonna, you know, the mobile home dude. Don't worry, we'll get you another one in two weeks. I'd be fine because I'm getting married like in June, you know." Yep. It's two months, so we had to live with my parents right after we got married. To my mobile home got in, so that happened. Fast forward to the first house I bought to fix up and flip. Mm -hmm. everything we had to get in it. I had a second mortgage almost as much as the first one. That was pretty common back in my day, you know. Right. I didn't know what usury laws were, man. I was paying a high interest rate, kind of like, I guess you'd call a hard money lender in a way, but it right. was a second mortgage and I assumed an FHA and borrowed the second mortgage. So I'm fixing it up out of pocket. I'm not in it two weeks and the central heating unit goes out. I didn't have money to it. And we're talking about in the summer in Alabama with 102 degree heat, we're sleeping <laughs> hide in the screened in ports till we get up enough money to fix the air conditioning. So, yeah. so that was my second house, first house. Trailer, first house, rough. Then everything went along smooth. Bought my first rental house, everything went good. Buy my second rental house, a lady financed it for me. I think I had to pay maybe $500 down, she financed it. Well, back then, you know, 
I didn't know about checking out attendance and stuff. You know, you just, somebody comes by and you kind of meet them on, show it to them. They got the money and deposit first month's rent, whatever, you know. Oh man, it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah. I saw. Uh, so this lady and her husband, they come, oh, they love the house and man, they want it. And I just got through fixing it up. I'm thinking, man, they ain't going to be much to this real estate rental business. This is all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty easy. So, <clears throat> I got to know the lady next door. When I was remodeling the house, you know, getting it ready to rent. Right. Because it's pre-cell phone days and stuff, you know, we didn't know that, you know, all landline stuff. But my wife, we had two little kids by this time, and she had some surgery. And so I got the babies. My mom was staying with me. My wife's in the hospital, so I'm working my side job. I go see her, work my regular job. I come home. I mean, I'm tired out. <clears throat> I just get to bed, man. I'm pressing that mattress. And I'm sleeping good. <laughs> <laughs> My phone rings and the lady says, mister, if you want to see your house before it burns down, you better get down here fast. I'm saying, oh my do goodness. what, do what, you know? Oh my and goodness. The house was on fire. Oh. Second house now. When and the I one you renovated, there, right? Sir? The one you renovated? They don't really, yeah, they just had moved in. Hadn't been oh. in a month. Gosh. So <clears throat> I get down there, I hop in my truck and I run down there. And sure enough, fire bowling out everywhere and nobody was hurt. Thank goodness. Well, I find out later, somebody else told me that this lady's husband liked to beat on her and she'd had enough and she's going to burn him up in there. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking, I don't want to hear that, you know, so yeah. the company wanted to total it, but I told him, I said, I think I could you know, fix it back. Right. So a friend of mine, because I'm working at the university, he was a contractor before we came to work at the university. We used his license. I did all the work, remodeled it, and uh, re -re but I learned a lot off of that one, you know. So that's, yeah. Check, I mean, check a couple of past landlords, but I didn't know, you know. Right. I mean, it, you didn't just pull out your computer and do a quick credit and background uh, check? You know, yeah, you know. <laughs> now, it, it's funny you, you say that it was on fire because when I got my first rental property, and I, you know, go, go to go do something to it or do any work to it. I always had this fear in the back of my head. I was just going to round the corner and one day it was just going to be up in flames. And my fiance, she's just, she's like, you can't have that mindset. She's like, if you're going to get in this business, that will kill you. She's like, oh, you yeah. let be able to sleep. I think in my, all my years, I've had uh, two houses total by fire, a couple kitchen fires. In fact, I did a video today on one I was working on was a kitchen fire. The lady went off, left something on the stove. Ugh. It's just part of it, you know, but it's right. not that often, thank goodness. Uh, but it, you know, it's, things going to happen. It's just like every job, you know, something wrong is going to happen. And I think that's something everyone you know, has to come to terms with. I think the coolest part about this whole real estate investing is when, when I got started into it, is the people I've met and all the things I've learned is just phenomenal. Like when I first heard your voice instantly, I was, I remember I was sitting on the couch, my fiance was sitting next to me. I was on Instagram and I, I see you pop up and you got a cigar in your mouth and I click it so I could hear it. And I just, I literally, I just turned and look at her like, this guy's gotta be on the show. I gotta have him on there. And I started looking through your stuff and I was like, this guy definitely knows what he's doing. He's got some experience. You, you bring a lot of value, which is great. Well, I have just been having a great time with it. And I tell folks in my videos, I said, not one time will you find where I'm trying to sell you something. No, I, no, I'm, you're not you a know, single and thing. I tell you what it's did for me. 
like I started at the very bottom. I mean, as low as you go, I'm, I barely got out of high school. I'm, you know, my wife's got a master's degree, taught school for 25 years. But now, you know, I, I'm, I'm not dumb. I'm just not educated for it. No, I, I read a book all the way through to I was a senior in high school. I got kicked out of draft and expelled from school. Barely got back in enough to graduate. Yeah. So I started educating myself, reading all after that. But this industry, I've learned it because it's all I've done. It's all you and, know, yeah. And I've got the entrepreneur part in me to try a thing, not just being a carpenter. I used to tell, there's a lot of guys that was better carpenters than I was, but I could build it, sell it, you know, everything. Right, you had the different aspects package. that they yeah. didn't have. But, you know, you take somebody like me, that's what's great about this business. I've been able to become a multimillionaire for somebody that's just started out as a laborer. And I don't mean, I don't want to sound like I ain't trying to blow my horn. I just want no, to know what, what's possible. Yeah. Do you do you follow Alabama football? I mean, college football? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, you know who Nick Saban is, I guess, don't you? Yes. Coach Alabama football. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the winningest coaches and all this stuff. Well, he lives three houses up from me in my neighborhood. Oh, there you go. So, you know, I told my wife, I said, we got doctors and lawyers that live in here. Football coach. I said, now they got him a redneck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, look, you made it. You, you did it. And that's what I, I tell my fiance and I talk about her a lot because she's my best friend. I'm with her all the time. And I tell her, I say, if this real estate thing doesn't work, I, I've got nothing to fall back on. You know, I dropped out of, dropped out of college. I, there's no other job I want to have. There's nothing else I want to pursue. There's nothing else that interests me. It's, it's this because you, you do it your own way. You control the value of how everything works, how much value you add to a property. And it's, it's a business. It's not a hobby. And I think right. the people that, that fail the most and the, and the quickest is the people that think it's a hobby. It's not a business. But it's, it's 100% a business. And you have to treat it like one. Twitter. And, you know, if you'll hang in there, and it's going to be, you know, these times is tough. These times I get aggravated now, but I still love Hey, I tell folks, I be, this coming June, I'll be married to my wife 47 years, I think it wow. is. And, uh, you know, these days, it, it, you know, I loved her, but I didn't necessarily like her. You know, it's not always yeah. <laughs> what business is, you know. And it's with anything. You can't be a quitter. But it's, it's one of the few things you can start with nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and see, I hadn't even got, touched on the fact that, see, my dad was a World War II veteran, and he got disabled when I was three years old. He stayed in the VA hospital until I was 15. So I got married at 18. So my dad was more like a big brother than a dad. Right. He wasn't really around. Dick would have been 1958. Well, back then, the wives, the mamas, whatever you want to call them, didn't work. You know, right. They were home. Yeah. She didn't have, she didn't know how to drive. She didn't have a job. He got sick. I don't know if they lost her house and car, if they sold it or what, but we ended up, and I just found this out about three years ago. Cause I have a brother six years older than I, we were homeless for like nine months to a year. Mm. My mama and I lived with one of her sisters and my brother with another one. So I look back and I know now why my mom worked so hard to keep a roof over our head, mm. you know, cause and that yeah. was, you know, and I was raised, you don't want to rent from somebody else because they had to do a lot of that, but so you want to yeah. own your own place. So that's why me, mate team, time I got married, I've always tried to own my own place. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of a uh, roof over your head, you're uh, in a neighborhood right now with doctors, lawyers. How many square feet are we talking here, the roof over your head? My house is a little over 4,000 square feet. It's not, right. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, 
it's, room for entertaining. That's right. It's uh, got three quarter acre lot. It was built in 1988. I remodeled it, you know, when I bought it five years ago or going on six. I'd be upset with you if you didn't remodel it when you got it. That's right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it looks so. Uh, and I got pictures sometimes on it because, you know, it's kind of giving yourself credibility, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, just to give you an example, there's a couple lots up the street from me. They're not water lots. There are some <laughs> lake lots in there. I mean, there's houses in this neighborhood, $2 million. Mine's wow. worth about 800000 you know, which is – I'm in what I would call one of the two nicest neighborhoods in our town. So, you know, it's a long you, way. You've worked me. for it. You deserve it. Well, I mean, it's, it's been good and we've enjoyed it. And uh, I actually built a house in here for a man back in the nineties. And even back then I said, I'm going to live in here one day. There you go. So that's like kind of like a little goal or accomplishment that you, you set for yourself. I, Always I, I big on goal setting. Yeah, I think that's huge because it's a, you're looking to go attain, obtain something. It's like going to get an achievement versus there's nothing in front of you that you're looking to go get. You're not going to go get it. Um, well, you know, I did a video. I think I said, uh, I said, you people here on Instagram, you inspire, you inspire me and you pee me off, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I told him, I said, here I am, you know, I see all you young guys and girls doing these things and I'm I'm supposed to be pulling back and it fires me up, you know, because I'm yeah, I you... <laughs> competitive and you want to do it. And I, I want to, you know, I, I've showed some things lately, of things I did in the past just to kind of, you know, because people say, well, you know, you only have a hundred rental houses and you've been doing it all these years, you know. Well, you got to realize I've raised my family put a yeah. dog through college, my son in business. I, you know, I've lived my life. I've built almost 500 houses in my career in 31 years for quit building. I've developed subdivisions. I've, you know, I had, I did a video this week that was on a modular home center I had on uh, while I was still building houses. And uh, I'll probably go around a couple of the neighborhoods I developed and just, you know, I don't want to spend too much time, but I won't, you know, one of the videos I did this week was a commercial property that I sold. Mm -hmm. I traded it for a bunch of building lots. Well, it was a really good deal for me for what I had in the property. But I was on that land. I said, man, I'd love to have it now today, you know, but you do, you know, I wouldn't, I can't say I just did rental property, see, because I was yeah. a builder. So that was kind of like, like a lot of people with a job, my rentals were on the side. Mm. But we generate around seventy thousand dollars a month in rental. Yeah, I mean that's great. I mean, you know, in Alabama, that's pretty good. Oh yeah. So for for those of you that don't know, Rick here, he's real estate underscore, or excuse me, real underscore estate underscore old underscore school, and you've got six over six thousand followers, but you're only following two hundred people. That's a pretty darn good ratio for 64 years old. I mean, that's, I like that. And, well, uh, you know, I didn't even know what Instagram was. Like I told you, quick story. If, if I, you, you know, you oh, just yeah. tell me when you need to talk and I need to shut up. Cause no, I, no, I, you go, you know? you're the guest. I, I, I like you to talk. Oh, my son, like I said, he's 38, but about two years ago, I guess it's about two years ago. Now he's, he was, he introduced me to the bigger pockets podcast. Yep. I said, man, I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> and I'm listening, you know, and I hear somebody did two or three deals. And now, you know, I don't want to say it like it. Some of them sound like an expert. They did two or three. I said, well, hell, I did a lot, you know. I yeah, I, I, I tell them, you know. 
Uh, so I told him, I said, I'm going to figure out how you uh, get on that show. Yeah. I didn't have a clue, you know, but I ain't got enough sense not to know no better. You know, if somebody else do it, I'm going to try. Right. So I couldn't figure out how you get on there. So I said, well, that David Green, he's a real estate agent. His number yep. going to be somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I got his number, you know. And I called and left a message, didn't hear anything. I texted him a couple of times. Well, I didn't give up. So finally, he never talked to me. He just sent me how you get on there and what you do. So I stayed up one night at 1 o'clock, boy, right in the middle, you know, just kind of give him a resume or whatever, yep. whatever you'd call it. And then I lost it, I think. I said, darn. So I got next day and did another one, and I left him a message. I said, now, you may have two of these from me. If you do, <laughs> the one you like the best, and that will be the one we go with. Yeah, there you go. But I had never heard anything, see. Because then they got telling people tell me, so you got to be involved in their form. I said, well, what's a form? You know, I, I yeah, yeah. So I hadn't got involved in it, and I should, but I told my son, I said, one of my goals, I'm going to be on that show. No, I think that's hey. a great goal because they have, you know, I, I see the views. I think they have upwards of 300,000 people listening to each show, you know? It's, yeah. It's the country's community of real estate, is what it is. And, and that's what's so great about this. But anyway, it kind of, you know, like I said, I'm competitive and, and, and I'm thinking, you have I to be in this business. Started, I just started my own podcast. So there I got go. on. It's everything I know I learned off of YouTube. I got oh, a yeah. old granddaughter could have probably told me a lot of stuff about Instagram, but she could <laughs> slow down long enough. So I go on there and I'm studying this guy named uh, Pat Flynn, maybe something like I can't remember. Now, anyway, I, I, it's different people, but you find ones you can understand and follow. So I'm, man, I ordered me a mic, I ordered everything. I got. Garage man, I'm getting ready to do my dead gun podcast. There you I go. Websites. I don't even have a website this day. And I had a couple of guys were going to do it and they never did. I finally got out of this. I ain't got time for all this. I ain't gonna fool with this, you know. But see, yeah. I tell folks I can't spell, but I ain't had like hell. So you know, I <laughs> I said I just I said, Yeah, it's too much work. So I said, Well, I'll start me a YouTube channel. So I went on there and learned how to do that. So I said, yep. up a little YouTube channel. It didn't hardly do anything. And I said, well, darn, I must not have anything anybody wants to hear. So somebody, I don't remember who it was, that said, well, try Instagram. I said, what is Instagram? I said, I thought that was Facebook for young people. <laughs> so they told me, so I go on YouTube and I read about Instagram. So I start my Instagram uh, channel and people just accepted me. Like I said, it hadn't been a year yet. And I'm, I think I'm 6,075 people as of today. You, you keep doing your thing. I promise you, you'll climb because you, the value and the information you give out, people want little snippets of, of audio like that. So I, I think that's really good. Well, people say, a lot of them say they like it because it's organic. I say, I call it half-ass. So yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. There, there's no, you, you don't have any exotic setting behind you. You're not mic'd up. You're just kind of, half the ones you're sitting there with a cigar in your mouth, just kind of telling the truth, being honest. It's plain it's and all simple. all on my phone. I do it all on my phone. There you go. So being that you have an astronomical amount of history and real estate experience, you know what you're doing, you, you've seen a lot of it. What is one of the biggest obstacles you've had to overcome through all of this? Is there something that really you had to deal with? I think the setback I had in the late 90s, because like I said, you've got the golden touch, you think. and I mm -hmm. mean, you go from... See, you know, I tell you the story about my dad and everything. I, I didn't... I kind of got sidetracked. My brother and I started cutting yards. I don't mean the yard until we had a lawn service. In fact, if you look on my 
Instagram page is a picture of what we had. It's 1969. I had that in June. I just turned 11 years old, mm-hmm. and he's 17. We had a trailer, three lawn mowers. I mean, we were cutting like 30 something. We was doing six days a week, sun up, yeah. sun down. But he was six years older than me, so when he got out of school and went on to trade school, water. so when I became 14, I got my first job where they cut your taxes. You know, I went, I went to work with the city of Northport on the mm-hmm. garbage truck. But see, I was a big boy. I'm a big guy anyway. I mean, I'm six <laughs> feet. I come out of high school, I was six feet, 249. So I was big as a kid. So, and the laws were different back then. So I'm working on the garbage truck that summer. I see kids I go to school with playing, playing ball and all that stuff. And I'm yep. hanging on the back of a garbage truck. So I worked up to a brush truck and I'm a hard worker, you know, and I showed them, you know, I was, my mama raised us, whatever you do and you be the best you can be. At yeah. Best Amen to that. So when that summer ended, I got on at a bottling company at hardship case. I get out of school at two o'clock, work to six thirty, seven thirty at night, loading trucks behind. And that's how they used to do it. You know, the Dr. Pepper plants, what it was, Dr. Yep. Pepper and our <clears throat> I showed my kids, you know how your parents always say, you know, I had to walk to school uphill both ways, you know, that type thing. You know, your, yeah. your parents always tell you. Well, I showed them in 1969, I was 14 years old. Minimum wage was $1.30. I paid <laughs> 700 and something dollars taxes that year to the government. That's a lot of hours. Yeah, yeah, that is. <clears throat> so I come from a working background. I was raised to work hard. It's all I've ever known. So when I got in this business, I wanted things though. Like I said, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I, a lot of people, quick story. <clears throat> right when I got out of high school, I had a job at a cabinet shop. I was only there about yep. three months. We were on break one day and I'm, you know, I'm just turned 18 years old. I'm at the bottom of the line, the cabinet shop, sand and wood and stuff. And I'd worked that summer before, remember, you know, between the 11th and 12th grade building houses as a laborer. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. So I told him, I said, and I probably shouldn't have said it, but I wouldn't think because I was young, stupid. I said, I'm going to build houses one day. And they got the biggest laugh out of that. It kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> so that's 1973. You fast forward 20 years, 1993. I'm building so many houses, the cabinet man I got can't keep up. Guess who I hired? Yeah, that cabinet shop I worked at. Yeah, Never how about that? To him, but every time I signed my name on his check, I just would smile to myself. There you go. You never know. You gotta. You, you just never know where life's gonna take you. Yeah, and it's it's very humbling too that you know you just you giggle to yourself when you're signing that check. Like, hey, I didn't have to put it in your face, but I told you so. I worked hard. I was able to overcome some obstacles, and I did it. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. But that's the great thing about this industry. You can start with nothing, like I said, and go mm-hmm. as far as you want to take it. I mean, I've kept a balance in my life of family, church, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even through the hard times, you know. It's, now we look back and there's about two years it was really tough. But now it's just a bump in the road. But when you're going through it, it was tough. Yeah. But, you know, there again, I, I, I had a basis of my faith to get me through all these things. And uh, 
you know, I just, uh, I just believe it's, you know, I don't, I just want to be the best I can be tomorrow. I want to be better than I was today, you know, whatever I'm doing. And, uh, I don't know. I don't try to compare myself to other folks. I just want to, I do what I like to do and I enjoy That's what single family. I loved it. That's why I went to single family rental. That's why I mostly built single family construction. I did some commercial, but everything I've done, I've been able to do it right here in my town. Yeah. That's... I don't have to drive. I can see everything I've got in about 30 minutes as far away from me, you know, kind of traffic, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's important too. For me, I personally want to invest in my backyard. I want to be able to drive everywhere in a half hour, be able to see everything, check on everything. And I, I think people that are also staying in the property appreciate that more too, because we have in this area, because it's such cheap housing, we have a lot of investors coming from out of the area, out of the state, from New York City, even from Australia, I have a client that buys here. And I think they see the numbers coming in their bank account, but they don't see the condition the roof's in or the vines yeah. growing up on the house. So I, I think personally being a domestic investor matters. Well, you know, being a real estate agent, how you can have a photographer come in, takes pictures of your listing and then they put it up on the site or the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you, wherever you're putting it, whether it's in a book or whatever and how good it looks. I mean, when you're looking through the MLS and they got the picture, man, that looks everything good. looks good. Yeah. yeah. You go there and it's a piece of junk, you know? Yeah. But, we're just the same way when people are trying to do out of town and they're showing them what's what. I mean, I'd be on FaceTime with them all the time. Let me say that again, you know. Right. And, and that's what I was, I was just telling someone uh, yesterday. I think I was out to lunch with someone took me out to lunch and I was like, yeah, I mean, everything looks good on the MLS. Everything is good in photos, but I've walked in the houses where I've stepped in the doorway and I'm like, we're good. This is it. I don't have to go any further. Re- we used to have I, a joke. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Joke, we, yes. We used to talk about like in the MLS, you know, it, we have Lake Tuscaloosa, a huge lake here in, in Tuscaloosa and uh, Lake Lots, you know, we went back years ago when they first built a lake. I mean, that was a big business and you'd see somebody say gently sloping, you know, to the water. Mm-hmm. I remember calling one real estate agent one day. I said, buddy, I like to gently slope my butt into the water. I said, that thing's a goat heel, man. It's just it's straight up. <laughs> yeah. So. I think we're going to about wrap things up here because we're about around the hour mark. Uh, before we get going, tell the listeners, what would you tell someone that's looking to get started or, look to, or they're in real estate investing, but they want to expand more? What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? I would say, don't be hard on yourself. You know, it's, don't worry about what somebody else is doing. You just get your direction, hold the course. You know, it's like eating an elephant. It's one bite at a time. Just, just keep doing every day, keep moving forward, studying and learning and take some chances, calculated risk, but you've got to step out. You have to take chances in this business. Yeah. It calculated risk. I think that's huge. You know, know the risk you're taking versus just kind of throwing it on, on, on something. There's no sure fire things. No, there isn't. But you can, uh, again, calculate risks. You, right. you, you have an idea. And that's, that's what made you so successful because you took calculated risks on everything. Yeah, and you have to take risk in this business. That's, I, that's why I like, like I said, the good working class rental property, whether it be apartments, whatever. Because if you're in the high dollar stuff, the economy goes south, those people got to scale down. Mm-hmm. But where are they going to go? I mean, you know, you know what I always say if you watch any of my videos, I always tell everybody, in fact, I was a little flattered that day as a girl on uh, TikTok. 
that did my, my voice was coming out of her mouth. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually had a TikTok. Yeah, I got a little, I do a few TikToks. And I had one this week, went to 10,000 something likes. Wow. I showed my granddaughter, I was messing with it because when I first got on Instagram, you know, it kind of took off and she said, tell them follow me. I said, get you on. I mean, I'm not even on TikTok. I'm 22 years old. I'm not even on TikTok. And here you are getting 10,000 views. That's pretty good. But now that was just one time. Rest time is two, three. It's, you, know, it's start Gary v, you know, I didn't know who Gary V was. So I started this path of, you know, Instagram and all. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, they tell me when Instagram first started, it was just pictures and stuff. So, because I didn't know, you know. Right. So it's, uh, I guess if I ever do have anything say if I ever write my book or something, I'll have, you know, more people to. I'm sure you would write a phenomenal book and I would certainly be ordering it, reading it and reviewing it right on Amazon for you. Well, I appreciate that, buddy. Of course. Well, Rick, we're going to sign off here. Just want to thank you so much for taking the time this evening to uh, chat with us and just share some knowledge of your, your great experience you have in the real estate industry. Uh, so thank you so much for stopping in tonight. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.